All right, everybody, welcome to the February 1st edition of Cascadian Views. Uh, I've got Dan here today. We uh, also may potentially have a Chris. He just commented. All right. Nope. No, he's not able to do it. Alas. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, we have all but wrapped up the Senate impeachment trial. Um, that one's done and over now with the, the vote to not subpoena witnesses. Um, the reaction to the two votes was very interesting to me, uh, not to be like a body language reader or whatnot, but there was pretty open disgust on the Republican side at Romney's vote and uh, nothing at all at Collins' vote, which leads me to believe Collins had permission and Romney did not give two fucks whether McConnell yeah. wanted him to vote one way or the other. I think that's a good way to characterize it. I think that's a good reading. You know, he definitely has made himself as someone who staked out that position and was trying to drag people along. Yeah. I think with some of the others, uh, Murkowski Collins, it was a matter of who gets, who gets the golden ticket from Mitch to vote, you know, that way without impacting the final result. And Collins is in a close enough reelection. She's the one who got it this time. You could also kind of read that in the people who weren't allowed that golden ticket. Alexander's justification of his vote was, uh, in particular, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, he, he argued explicitly that the House had proved its case completely, that there was no need for witnesses, because everything the House said was absolutely 100% true, and there was no question about it whatsoever. Uh, just that, yeah, it's not impeachable. Yeah, well, wasn't that, I mean, that's not too far off from what, like, Dershowitz was arguing, actually. Just, look, the president's allowed to do this. You know, this. if you take this horrifying interpretation of the Constitution where there is not supposed to be any check on the president, well, then, sure, it's not impeachable. <laughs> yeah, it, arguing that the president's re-election is in the national interest uh, was one of the explicit arguments he made. And I have a hard time, you know, or not extrapolating that out to, can't he just nuke California or New York because their electoral votes are impeding his reelection? And by that argument, is that not pursuing the national interest? Right. Or like, well, I guess we're going to close all the polling offices in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, literally hours after that vote was taken, uh, the White House, through the Department of Justice, disclosed that they're holding on to 24 emails that uh, illustrate the president's thinking about holding up the Ukraine aid and why he did that, um, and that they're not releasing those emails, but that they do exist, which seems perfectly timed to embarrass the Republican senators as much as possible. And I'm not entirely sure that's not the point. Yeah. Some kind of domination, humiliation. Yep. Yep. We own yep. you. Do this. But yeah, even if Trump does get another term, I mean, he's going to be hurting if, you know, he manages to damage say Joni Ernst enough that she doesn't get reelected or Martha McSally. So bold of you to assume we'll continue to have elections at that point in time. Well, that's also true. Yeah. But... I, I mean, the 17th amendment is already on shaky ground among conservatives. This has been a pet cause of theirs since like Ted Cruz ran for president. Right. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Direct election of senators. Bad. You can't gerrymander a state. 
He can gerrymander legislative districts, though, which is why they want them to choose the senators. Yeah. They, they keep, oh man, I keep seeing on social media people throwing around that uh, apocryphal Ben Franklin quote about how he's given us a republic if we can keep it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. <laughs> what are we doing here? Not keeping it so much. Not so much at all. That is scary. <laughs> um, now, the question of witnesses really, it looked like Republicans were going to lose that in the flurry over the Bolton book. Uh, yeah. But they, they really held on. I mean, Mitch McConnell is openly telling people he doesn't have the votes right now. Uh, like, that was a statement he made in a, a private Republican lunch that everybody came out of looking pretty angry. Uh, yeah. So what, I, I guess, what didn't change with the Bolton revelations? What kept everybody on board? Because they were losing people left and right over that for about 24 hours. Right. I think it was probably the cold realization that you know they're still going to have to vote to acquit they're not going to vote to convict him they're not going to even give enough votes for it to make it that there's a majority of votes to convict him so i think the calculation was that maybe it's less embarrassing and they can get it done faster if they just don't hear witnesses and it's easier to justify that way you know but now they have now they have to explain account for themselves as to why they didn't want to hear witnesses and why the whole trial wasn't a complete sham. If it uh, makes us feel any better about losing Murkowski, Roberts has told people he wouldn't have cast a tie-breaking vote. He would have just let it be a failed motion. Let it be a failed motion on a tie. Um, there was no tie vote in any of the motions during the Clinton trial. Uh, if you go back before that, though, to the Andrew Jackson one, there was uh, tied motions, and the Chief Justice did cast tie-breaking votes in that. Um, however, history has kind of looked upon that as a, a bit of a partisan sham. Um, yeah. That Chief Justice is not looked upon very highly for his role in there, uh, and I think that weighed on Roberts uh, pretty heavily. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. Well, his, history is kind of his one bugaboo, and the only thing that really seems to hold him back at any point so yeah i you know i it makes me curious though that having to be part of that sham trial does that in any way affect his rulings going forward i mean a lot of these disclosure disclosures are going to end up before the supreme court i I mean that's not going away roberts is going to remember this is there any chance in in your mind that it plays a role in, like, how he acts at that Yeah, point. I mean, uh, does it make him more or less inclined to, say, you know, release memos? Un- well, I guess not unclassified, but rule things were improperly classified? Nah, I think he's likely to back it up from the bench at that point. You know, he's already kind of made his peace, and to the extent he has, he's thrown in his lot on this side, and once it gets to the court, then he's there. It, it's not just being considered by him at that point, but also by the rest of the conservative bloc. So he's he's got a lot more cover at that point. He, he did make a couple interesting choices, though. He pissed off Rand Paul to no end yep. by refusing to read a question that would add the whistleblower. Rand Paul rewrote that question like three times, and each time Robert said no. Um and- I'm, I'm sorry, continue. What what Rand Paul wanted to do was, what, yeah, unmask the whistleblower, right? Publicly name the person. Yeah. That, 
That's not relevant to the trial. <laughs> no, not at all. Excusable. <clears throat> but I'm saying, if you're throwing in your lot with that, letting that question slide is... I, I mean, you can't argue it's illegal. They're literally protected by the Constitution at that point. The speech and bait clause would come into play. There'd be right. no criminal penalties on Rand Paul for releasing that name whatsoever. The Chief Justice could have very easily just been like, you know what? Fuck it. Go for it. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and he risked the ire of a very large amount of the conservative base because of that decision. He also made no pretense of complaining about Warren's question, which was specifically right. targeted at really embarrassing Roberts for participating in this trial. Uh, yeah. He didn't even express any displeasure with it. Uh, Just... Makes me think he, at least at some level, either agrees with it or believes it's a fair point to make, even if he doesn't think it's accurate. Yeah, or, or I guess, I think at that point, it's not as much harm to either history or to an individual at that point, what, you know, say with the war in question, you know, it's, yeah, makes him look a little bad, but it's not the same as, it, it wouldn't be the same thing as if he were to be the deciding vote to throw open evidence or not throw open evidence. I mean, it's, it's less consequential. It just makes him look bad. The, Rand Paul, you know, the issue there is that, you know, he's actively doing harm to a person who was a key player in, in but the events. But looking for balance is like a Robert's hallmark. Uh, and mm -hmm. I could totally think, or I could totally see him having, you know, the smokescreen of susceptibility over the Rand Paul question by also tossing out Warren's question. Sure. I mean, he started his trial admonishing both sides when really it was the president's lawyers being a bunch of fucking dinkuses. Yeah. I think there's probably more people, at least on the democratic side of things that, you know, feel good about Elizabeth Warren and be supporting her in something like that. than on the other side, there would be around Rand Paul. I think he's got less of a plays well with others kind of reputation there. So that there wouldn't be as many people sticking up for him anyway. Although, yeah, they'll probably make a big show of it. But <laughs> privately, yeah, he's out there with Ted Cruz is on the you know on the shit list. I think among Republicans. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I guess I added on to the old topic thread. I was trying to figure out my my threading for this. Oh, okay. where were we at? <laughs> uh, that's what I was just trying to figure out. But I, I put my ping me message in the other topic thread, so I was a little bit oh, confused. Geez. Oops. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we've got Iowa coming up in two days, and since I don't have to work tomorrow, I'm going to have this episode up in plenty of time. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's kind of, of game theory this out. Uh, Yang is, I guess, making something of an informal pact with Bernie. Uh, mm -hmm. Klobuchar was approached by the Warren campaign about one and has uh, really just said, you know, screw you, basically, yeah. that she wants to hold on to her people. I think Biden was approaching her, too. But yeah, she's definitely going to be a valuable person if someone can make a pact with her. I, she doesn't seem all that interested in it, though. Interesting. Um, and sorry, go on. No, no. I mean, she'd be she's pretty much the number one get because she's like right below viability. You know, so there's a ton of potential caucusers there that are probably not going to make it to the second alignment. I don't think it's nearly as much of that as I think others do. Her 
her appeal is is very much geographically concentrated. She doesn't have a lot of appeal in the big cities. You know, this is a, a rural farm boy vote, a farm girl vote, uh, mm. essentially. I think in the the precincts or the counties, I think they do them by counties. I'm not real sure about that. But in the the local caucuses that she's present in, the ones that she's actually a factor, I think she's going to be viable. And in the ones she's not, I think she's going to be farther down the tier than some of the other ones. Interesting. So okay, so if you know she comes in and she manages to pull ten percent, and you think it's more likely to hold that you know that'll be where it is. It's just going to be concentrated enough. Well, yeah. I also think you know she's polling eight ten percent. She's not polling eight ten percent in Des Moines or right. Sioux City, you know, she's, she's only much less in those college towns and those, you know, what counts for a city in, in Iowa, uh, where she does much stronger, you know, out in the rural areas, out in the, the farm towns, the, the exurbs and whatnot. Uh, I just think how it plays out is she's not nearly as much of a factor. Her voters aren't nearly as much of a factor in caucuses where she's realigned out. She's not yeah. going to have that much support in those caucuses anyway. And in the caucuses where she does have support, she's going to take it to the finish line for delegates, at least some amount of them. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I think Yang is a big get, to be honest. Because um, I, I think he has a much more widespread um, like fan base, basically. It's yeah. not limited. I think it's mostly going to be like, you know, again, campus towns. You know, I'm thinking like Iowa City. Not or... really, because there's not that much room there. Bernie really is just absolutely <laughs> slaughtering those voters. He's taking like two thirds of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, gang appeals to a certain quirky type of the people used to have amigas. I mean, just to just to blow it out there, you can always kind of tell sure. that guy, you know, the one who was using a video toaster back in like 1993. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see that. Uh, yeah, yeah, the vaguely creative, kind of scientifically minded, and very much outside the mainstream personality that that comes in all walks of life. I think gangs got supporters everywhere, but I don't think there's enough of them to be viable pretty much anywhere. Okay, yeah, yeah, I would think that. So I'm trying to think of who else then would be a really big get. I mean, if not Klobuchar, then. I think I mean, Warren. Footage is going to be pretty good, good, valuable, widespread. You think Warren's going to have a lot of pockets where? Yeah, I, I think Warren's bled enough support in Iowa that there's going to be a bunch of the maps she's not viable in, mm, and still have a lot of supporters. It, in those places. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's going to be under the threshold, but she's going to have have support. I think she's a big get if you can get somebody on there. But I don't sure. think she can agree to that. I mean, that's basically throwing up a flag. She, unlike say Biden or Bernie, Warren needs to do well in Iowa. She doesn't need to right. win. She, she's not Klobuchar or Buttigieg, who need to absolutely win Iowa to be relevant going forward. But she has to do well. She can't flunk Iowa. Right. A and I'm concerned she's flunking Iowa. And even just making that pact in any sort of official capacity is basically waving the white flag. It's admitting you're not going to win, which drags whatever support in the campaign is left, kind of deflates it. Sure, sure. Hey, I'm trying to think of some other kind of famous packs in the past. I mean, the, the one that sticks out to me is probably the most successful, at least for one side, was probably Obama and Kucinich in 2008. Mm -hmm. uh, Didn't Edwards have a pack with somebody in Iowa back in 2004? I think he must have. I mean, he shot up way past his polling uh, 
from like the last polls to where the actual turnout was. So he must have had with some. I mean, I assume not with Kerry, that was Kucinich again, but Kucinich in two thousand four. Yeah, in two thousand four, Edwards and Kucinich struck a deal. So Kucinich got the short end of that stick twice. Because the Iowa Kingmaker, holy shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah, go figure. Yeah, just uh, just four days before the caucus, Kucinich and Edwards signed a pact. And. God damn if you know Yang isn't almost his heir in this race anyway, so yeah. sure, might as well. <laughs> that is wild. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so who do you think takes it? I, my feeling right now is that well, they're going to be reporting like three different counts, you know. So you get the people coming in the initial, the initial, you know, count, you know, when everyone comes in, and I think Bernie wins that. I think it's probably close, but I think he probably wins that. I still feel on realignment, though, that he's going to be in trouble. And I think that more support is probably going to go to Biden. And I think when you get to the second count, it's probably going to be Biden that wins. Yeah, he's he really doesn't pick up much on second options uh, when you do the realignment in the caucuses. He's managed to upset quite a bit of the electorate. Yeah. And, I mean... I guess what he would benefit from is, yeah, if, if Warren's gotten as weak as you say, he's probably the second choice from a lot of her voters still. But I, not after what happened between those two. Fair. Yeah, he's burned a lot of bridges, too. So I guess those that might have been willing to come aboard. I mean, I almost have. feel like they go Klobuchar. Yeah. Just, just as like a, not any sort of pack, but as the most natural realignment. That's sort of like. Yeah. Yeah, personal sure. offense that they took over that that Bernie slide and that whole whole deal, you know. I don't think they hate Biden uh, under any stretch of the imagination, but I think just wanting to send that sexism is not okay sort of message sends them to Klobuchar. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Who's, who's, a lot of voters. Yeah, are. basically Biden with you know. A, a, or- or Buttigieg. I mean, that's the other one I think they probably could. Yeah. If, if Warren leads a lot, they could go to Buttigieg. There's a lot of overlap there as well. I don't know. Buttigieg has... So, it's weird. He's pulled kind of a bait and switch. When he first came to Iowa, he was very much uh, trying to appeal to the progressive grassroots organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was explicitly his message. He, he really went in there, and he got a lot of them on board. I mean, when he was polling at, like, 25% in Iowa a couple months back, that's mm-hmm. not possible with just, you know, his moderate lane. That was a, a cross-ideology coalition that he had sort of built. And just in the last month or so, he has really more explicitly defined himself as, like, a, a traditional values sort of candidate. And mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't see the Warren voter going to that. Yeah, Biden is stability, but stability that's accepting of like the modern family with all its its quirks and whatnot. And Buttigieg could easily be that if he had ever wanted to be, but he really, really pushes it as like, I have 1950s values. I just have a husband, you know, a very non-threatening yeah. sort of of change that really just reinforces the old order. Okay, I could see that. 
I, I still, th- I mean, I feel like there's probably going to be a lot of appeal for that still in Iowa, but yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I do. I and just don't necessarily think it's from, from where he was. Yeah, oh, absolutely. He was dominating things, but he's probably about half of where he was before. Klobuchar's actually topped him in a couple polls. It right. won't necessarily say they're high quality ones, but yeah, at least a couple oh. of them coming out of Iowa have Klobuchar on top. Yeah, I, I think the one thing I take away from really more than anything about this is the Iowa caucuses are ridiculous, and it's insane that they're, I guess, is you know kind of as, as influential as they are. You know, that's kind of the main focus of media attention. I mean, compare it to, say, the New Hampshire primaries, which I think everyone's just assumed, well, Bernie's going to win, and we've moved on. But it's it's nuts. It's a lot of focus on this really arcane, <laughs> really anti-democratic process and an extremely non-representative state. And it does have some consequence. I mean, shit. If, like you said, if... Uh, Bernie doesn't win. He's not su- not in such great shape. If he does, you know, he could very well you know, move. You know, I, I was going to say move his uh, odds of winning significantly. I, I was reading somewhere that uh, the five thirty eight model, uh, if you play around with it, and if it if you assume that he wins the caucuses, his likelihood of winning the primary overall shoots up like 60% or something like that. So that's yeah. actually been been toned down slightly. Uh, okay. So Nate found an error in the in the code and he, he came clean about it on Twitter yesterday. Uh, in the interest of like full transparency, but it was a, applying uh, like boost from winning the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, incorrectly it was reversing a couple signs. Uh, and at the end of the day, fixing it ended up slightly camping down Bernie's uh, bounces and slightly uh, bumping up Biden's bounces. Okay. Uh, everybody else was more or less unchanged just because the odds of them winning were already pretty low. So it doesn't actually double his chances of winning the primary. No, uh, well, I mean, we're not talking about a huge modification. I think he said Bernie's chances go down like 4% and Biden's rise like 2.1 or something like okay. that. Uh, by correctly modeling the bounce. He had just, he had inverted a a minus sign or something in there. Uh, You'd have to read the Twitter thread to find out more. I didn't do more than skim it. All right. I'll take a look at that then. But yeah, I, uh, you know, it it is going to be hard for the Iowa caucus winner, if he's not like one of the front runners, to, to really have much momentum out of that. I mean, we've got a pretty long spell here. Where it's just a couple states that are much more, uh, or much less white, I should say, than New Hampshire or Iowa. We've got basically a full month where everybody's Mm -hmm. looking at South Carolina and Nevada. And then Super Tuesday, which includes things like California and whatnot. Uh, That month in the middle is pretty slow going if you're a a non-mainstream candidate who's almost exclusively relying on white support, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, when you've got, let's see here, yeah, March, that whole month of March, Super Tuesday is overwhelmingly the South. I mean, you also got California and Texas. Those are large states, but, you know, they're also fairly diverse. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I mean, really, you don't get to the big empties until April. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's some in Super Tuesday. I think Buttigieg could do fairly well on Super Tuesday, but still, between Iowa 
And Super Tuesday, which is March 8th, right? March 3rd? Mm-hmm. March 8th? Uh, Super Tuesday's March 3rd. March 3rd. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, between the Iowa caucuses on February 3rd and Super Tuesday on March 3rd, you have basically nothing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think you do Hampshire. He, he could, if he did, if for some, somehow Buttigieg won Iowa, then yeah, he'd be in the mix in New Hampshire and potentially Nevada. But yeah, he's drawing dead, completely dead in South Carolina. I think it's what basically a Biden Bloomberg show in South Carolina right now. It's really just a so, Biden show. Bloomberg is a, a pretty distant. Yeah. But that just goes to show where everyone else is. <laughs> Bloomberg's the closest competition. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. And so actually Sanders is second place. If you take a look at the, the overall average, uh, Bloomberg's just got a couple relatively good polls good that poll. were very recent yeah interesting well yes he's the only only one on the air in pretty much anywhere that's not iowa and new hampshire so yeah mm. okay well uh at at the risk of dating the show very quickly uh you think biden is going to take the overall caucuses after the realignment yeah i think he takes the delegates but Bernie will show up with more support. Um, so win, play, show. I'm going to go Biden, Sanders, Klobuchar. Okay. And I, I do think this allows Klobuchar to hold on through Super Tuesday. Um, somehow I think this is the beginning of the end for Warren. I don't think she's going to do very well. I think she's going to do fourth in the first like initial count, and I don't think she's going to improve much from there. Okay. Well, I, I think she's likely to. Well, I, I hope she's not doing as badly as you know some of the polls indicate. You know, it's just you know it's going to come down to a lot of the turnout. Uh, On second place, she's looking pretty good in some of these polls. I just worry about her getting over the threshold of viability in some of these. Yeah, I think her biggest problem. I mean, the biggest obstacle is you know where those second second choice voters are coming from. Like mm-hmm. if. A lot of people considering her as a second choice are already Bernie Sanders supporters. Well, their first choice is viable, so yeah. she's not going to get anything out of that. Same with but, Biden. Exactly. So that's kind of the question is where where that really is. You know, who's considering her as a second choice? You know, that's interesting you got me thinking about that because with Sanders dominating so outright on some of these college precincts, they might be some of the only places that Biden is held under the threshold of viability. Right. And, well, you're talking about, you know, like, you know, Iowa City. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, where University of Iowa is. Uh, what was it? Drake University. They did their mock caucus last week. Oh, I remember that. It yeah. came down to Warren and Buttigieg. So. Sanders wasn't even viable, and his, uh, his, like, mock delegates stood around for a while not knowing what to do and then just left in protest. Yeah, which... Yeah, even I don't know. Drake is—it's a private school, I guess. It's maybe. Catholic, right? Yeah, something like that. But I would still think you know it's not so much a function of you know what your ideology is. You know, with Sanders support, it's just a matter of being the right age. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a little surprised that uh, you know there was a place where that was you know that was something that was possible. It's no longer religiously affiliated. I don't want to disparage Drake. It was founded as a uh, a school of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. 
but uh, but it lost its religious affiliation back in the 50s. So it has been like half a century of a non-religious college. Yeah, all right. Mostly a law school. It's one of the 25 yeah. oldest uh, law schools in the U.S., according to Wikipedia. Very nice. All right. All right. Well, do we have anything else this week? Not really, no. Um we we have some local news we'll talk about next week. We're doing some show prep on that, but it involves one of our favorite topics, uh, the labor movement. And we'll have Iowa results next week where we can all cry and lament the end of the Warren campaign, unless she does well, and then we'll cheer it on for so another ready. round. Yeah. And brace ourselves for New Hampshire. Yes, indeed. A whole month of this ahead before things start coming really fast and furious. And then on to the presidential election. Oh, God. Yeah. Pour me some bleach. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good one, Dan. You too, Brock. Bye.